Hey, morning one of SMC. Um, I'm so excited to be with you guys. Um, if this is your first time at SMC, again, welcome to SMC. Um, but who were my late night people out there last night? Like two o'clock, three, any three o'clock? Okay, who had, who made who made some fun memories last night? Okay, okay, me and some KU folks decided it was a wise idea to walk to McDonald's at like 11 o'clock, halfway there pouring down rain we get there stops raining we leave it's not raining halfway home pouring down rain but it was a memory um and I, that's why i love smc is we get to make so many memories i'm so excited about the memories that we're about to make for the next couple of days but i'm also excited about opportunities like this morning um if this is your first smc your third smc regardless if you're here is bright and early I really think you're making the most of SMC to be here at an, op- like an optional opportunity like an encounter. And what an encounter is, is basically we just want to help, help you guys gain some understanding and some practical tools for some of the key areas or key um, practices for growth. And the one we're talking about this morning, I believe, is life-changing. So I'm super excited to talk to you guys about it. But before we do, I want to introduce myself. My name is Carson. Um, Jones, this is my my wife, Grace. WC last night introduced, uh, he said, this is the apple of his eye. This is my lily among thorns. She is um, everything. I'm super grateful. It is a privilege to get to be married to Grace. uh, Grace and I both went to our first SMC our sophomore year at college. And uh, SMC was a huge stepping stone to help us take the next steps and what it would look like to have a relationship with God for a lifetime, it was actually 11, 11 years ago today that Grace uh, gave her life to Christ. So I'm super grateful for SMC. I was after SMC, um, but neither of us would ever could have imagined what kind of journey um, it would have been, and what kind of adventure this would be to get to walk with God and to follow Jesus for a lifetime. And we're so grateful for how God used SMC. And so to kick us off this morning, I got a question. Um, what is the one possession that every person in this room has on them probably right now? Clothes. Okay, clothes for sure. I knew someone was going to say that, or shoes. So outside of clothes, the phone. The phone. Okay, yes, the phone. Has anyone forgot their phone this morning? Didn't think so. Hey, look to the person to your left or right. Um, tell them who's the person in your contact list, who's the most famous, influential, or powerful powerful person in your contact list right now. Okay, I know that was short. I'm bringing this back. We got to go quick. Um, I was thinking about that. I think mine is like a backup running back for the Chicago Bears. I think I, I think that's my – he went to KU somehow and made it to the league. Um, but, um, man – since the 1970s, the cell phone, the invention of the portable, portable cell phone has changed the world. Why? It's, it's because the portable cell phone has made communication possible unlike it ever has been before. Today, because of this thing, no one is ever actually distant um, at any time, at anywhere in the world people can connect. Like no matter where someone's at, if I have someone's phone number, I can call them, I can text them, I can FaceTime them. If that doesn't work, I can Facebook them, I can DM them on Instagram, I can Snapchat them. I don't, maybe I don't have TikTok, maybe you can reach them on TikTok. Um, but wherever I have a phone, has someone's number, I have access. And, and access to resources, access to information. But way more importantly, if you have, if you have a phone, you have access to people. 
And the potential of having access to people is amazing because that's what relationships are built on. Communication makes a way for relationships. Where there's no communication, there's no relationship. Where there's stronger and more frequent the communication, the stronger the relationship usually is. So I got a question. What if you had you had the phone number of Elon Musk, Oprah Winfrey, or Michael Jordan? Would you call them? Or just having a phone number is one thing, but what if you had an actual relationship with these people? And actually they wanted you to reach out to them. And actually they promised you that they would respond. Would you call them in that, at that point? What if you got a text that said, call me from Bill Gates or Taylor Swift? Would you do it? Would you call them? What if there's someone far, or Michael Jordan up there, um, what if there's someone far more greater, far more powerful, more resources, more wisdom than any of these people, um, and they're actually inviting you to call them? What if the creator of the universe actually wants you to reach out to him and talk to him? Um, what if you got a text from God that said, call me, this is my number, I want to hear from you? Would you do it? In, in summer 2016, um, I just started investigating my relationship with God um, and what that would mean for my life. And that summer, I met this guy named Oscar Dumas. And my job that summer was to do construction. And so on on break, this guy, black dude from Southern Alabama, white beard, looked crisp, looked nice. He was he was sitting there next to me. So on break, I decided to ask him the only spiritual question that I knew at the time. And I and I walked up to him. I go and I go, Hey, dude, do you ever read your Bible? And he looked at me and he said. He said, yes, every day of my life. I was like, whoa. He goes, and he, and he started inviting me into his life. He goes, man, and starts telling me about his relationship with God. And at one point he goes, you know what else? Every time I call my mom, every time I call her, I'll never forget what he says next. He goes, she always says, why are you calling me? You got God's phone number. I was like, what? He goes, yeah, God's phone number. Jeremiah 33, 3, and he said this verse, he said, call to me and I will answer you. And tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. Call to me. Anytime, anywhere, easier than picking up a phone a phone and calling, we can actually call God and he promises I'm going to pick up every time. I'm going to pick up. And so that's what we're talking about today is prayer. Is this is an incredible opportunity just to talk to God. And that's really what prayer is, is just talking to God. To God, and some of us growing up, we may have prayed a little bit. Maybe it was before a meal or at church or before nighttime. That was me. I, I'd pray just a little, a couple minutes before I went to bed, hoping that my parents, and my dogs, wouldn't die the next day. That was like every night. Or maybe, um, maybe you guys were praying in like a moment of need before a big basketball game or before a big test, where you're freaking out, you're about to fail. You like shoot up a little, little prayer to God. Or, or maybe you guys have been growing in this area for the last year or two, and, and you actually getting stronger in your connection with God, you've actually seen God show up in some crazy ways in your life because of prayer. Or maybe you're still deciding if there's actually a God out there that's actually listening. But so regardless of where you're at, all of us, I would probably say, have, have need or like we could get to know God a little bit better than we already do. And all of us, I would probably bet that something in our life that we need help, that we need help in our life. Maybe Maybe it's wisdom with a decision or direction for our future. Maybe we need resources. We don't have 
certain things in our life and we need God, we need resources um, and we need help. Or maybe it's just strength to walk through something really difficult in your life. In any of those situations, God is near and God wants us to tap into this incredible power called prayer and to invite him into our life so that we could watch him show up. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to dive into this topic of prayer. And basically all we're going to ask is three questions. Um, why do people pray? How do how should we pray? And what do people pray for? And we're going to fly through these things. So if it's quick, um, it's because I want to get you guys out on time. But we're going to go quick. And so the first thing, why do we pray? Why do we pray? The first thing is we pray because we can. We pray because we can. Imagine getting one conversation with the President of the United States of America. I mean, forget like political opinion, but like regardless, that would be an incredible privilege. You feel me? Like, wow. Just to talk to that person. Imagine, um, think about what you're doing when you are praying to the creator of the universe. This is our galaxy. This is the Milky Way galaxy. At that little tiny dot right there, that's, that's where we are. Right there at that dot is our solar system. Nine planets revolving around our sun in the Milky Way galaxy. Within this galaxy, there are 100 billion solar systems, all with a sun and a star, a star at the center. And within the universe, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of galaxies. And that's where we are. You are one person on a planet of 8 billion people in our unbelievably huge universe that God is holding in his hand. That he has created and he's sustaining. That's crazy. That is crazy. But what's even crazier than that is that that God cares about you personally and specifically in your life. And we know this from Psalm 8, 3, and 4. He says, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, when I consider the universe, how big it is, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you're mindful of them? Like human beings that you should care for them. But he does. Like the fact that the creator of the universe cares for you and cares for me specifically should blow our mind. But even more, not only he cares, but he promises that whenever we pray to him, that big of God actually draws near to us. In Deuteronomy 4, 7, he says, What other nations are so great as to have their gods near to them the way the Lord, our God, is near to us whenever we pray to him? What other nation is so great as to have their gods near to them the way the Lord, our God, is near to us whenever we pray to him? In the early parts of the Bible, the leader of God's people was a guy named Moses, and they're about to enter the promised land. And Moses wanted to remind them of some, some crazy, life-changing um, truths. And this was one of them. He's reminded them, and he goes, and he didn't want them to forget that every other nation around them in all of history prayed to statues and idols made by human hands, and they worshiped them as gods. And these gods had no breath, no life, and therefore no power. And Moses didn't want them to forget the incredible privilege it is to talk to the God of the universe who is alive and mighty in power. So the first thing, we, we pray because we can. We actually have the ability to talk to God of the universe. But the second thing is that Jesus died to give us that access. Jesus Christ 
came to bring people, broken people, back into a relationship with God and to give access to God the Father. In Ephesians 2, 18, he says, For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. He gives us access. And that access is possible because Jesus died on the cross for sins. That for whoever would trust in him, people's, and, and give him their life, people's sins, past, present, and future, would be completely paid for and, and put away. They'd be made clean. And so, therefore, that person has no need to be ashamed before God. There's nothing any longer separating them from God. And if someone is in Christ, God promises that that, that person becomes a son or a daughter to God. And, that, and God now views that person just like he used his own son, who is perfect, Jesus Christ. And if someone is a child of God, that means they can approach God with complete confidence and freedom. And it says in Ephesians 3, 3.12, it says, In him, Christ, and through faith in him, we may approach God with confidence, with freedom and confidence. I've heard, I've never obviously been to the White House, but I've heard that when people go into the Oval Office, usually they'll have all sorts of agendas, things that they want to say to the President. Like, it's my one opportunity to talk to the President of the United States. This is what I'm going to say. But once they get in there, that agenda flies out the window and they go silent just because of the magnitude of the person they're talking to. I mean, it's just, it's just because it's, it's humbling to be in there. And so they're silent. But I saw this picture... Do you think that JFK's kids were tipping around on eggshells in the Oval Office, just terrified, timid to talk to their father? No, no way. Like why? Like that's their that's their dad. Like they're 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 just approaching him with freedom, with confidence, because they're just simply talking to their father. And Jesus gave Jesus died on the cross to give us the same access, the same relationship that we can just talk to God as a child talks to a parent. And so that's the second reason Jesus died. To give us that access. And the third why is that Jesus did it and we need it. Jesus did it and we need it. If anyone had a strong relationship with the Father, it was Jesus Christ. That Jesus was from God and he was God. And if anyone didn't need to depend on God, it was him. Yet prayer was Jesus' most consistent habit throughout his life. If you read if you read the, the biographies of Jesus' life, you'll see him constantly like going away from the crowds to just spend time talking to his father. This is one example. Mark 135 says, Very early in the morning, Jesus withdrew to a desolate place and he prayed. Jesus had a ton to do. And he had a ton of expectations on his life. He had a ton of things he needed to do with people. But he was always making time just to talk with his father. And if Jesus needed needed to connect with God, his Father, to, in order to live out the purpose God has for his life, how much more do we who are broken and needy need to connect with God if we want to live out the purpose God has for our life? In John 15, 5, he says, I am the vine, Jesus, I am the vine, and you are the branches connected to me. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. He's saying, hey, spiritually, eternally, apart from me, apart from connection to me, you can actually do nothing on your own. Um, that, we, that when we operate on our own, that we are actually operating in our own strength. And, and we don't have any power. And so to pray means that we're saying, God, I need you. 
God, I'm dependent on you. I need your help for this day. I need your help for this circumstance. I need your help to help me grow in this area in my life, to overcome this temptation or addiction, to overcome this fear. God, I need you to show up in my life. And prayer is what connects us to that dependence. When we don't pray, we're really operating in our strength, my, my strength, my wisdom, my abilities. If you're anything like me, that's, that's weak, that's, that's small, and I, I don't want to stay there. But prayer is what connects us to God's strength, God's wisdom, and God's power in our life. And so we pray, Jesus did it, but we need it. Jesus did it, but we, and we need it. And the last reason why is prayer moves the hand of God. Prayer moves the hand of God. Simply put, prayer works. Like prayer, it just, it, it works. In James 5.16, it says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be or healed. Sorry, that's a type of The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Meaning prayer is powerful and it's effective and God moves in response to it. And, and James doesn't end there in the next verses. He says, Elijah, who was a prophet in the Old Testament, who got, he saw God do all sorts of crazy things. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not. It did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed. And the heavens gave rain. And the earth produced its crop. Elijah was a man no different, just like you and I. Um, and the Bible uses him as an example that when he prayed, God acted on his behalf. And God said, me, me and you, we had that same opportunity to move God's hand. Some of you guys may, may enjoy war movies. Um, but there's one, there's one role in several war movies that get underrated. It's these things called air combat controllers. And so they'll, they'll go into enemy territory with... Uh, U.S. Navy SEALs with Army Rangers with Delta Force, they'll fight their way into enemy combat zones, but their role once they get there is unique. As they make their way into the territory, their job specifically is to establish communications with the Air Force, with, with air support. They need, they, that's all, they're trying to establish communications with air support, and what they do is that they coordinate all of the air support, all of the planes. So whenever they ask for an airstrike, an airstrike is going to deliver where they ask. When they ask for a helicopter for a rescue and evacuation, it comes. Whenever they ask for anything, they're establishing communication. And when they do that, they're able to tap into the unbelievable potential of the Air Force that the airport, Air Force provides. But they can't do it until these guys establish communications. And prayer is similar. Prayer gives us the access to tap into God's resources and, and his unlimited resources, his unlimited power in any situation and actually move his hand. We get to ask him and it moves. And so that's the last thing is prayer actually works. It moves the hand of God. So that's why we pray. How do we do it? And so there's one, there's only one prerequisite to prayer. Only one. And it's, it's, it's faith. That we actually have to believe in our hearts that God is listening and that he has the ability to answer your prayers. But it's not about the amount of faith. We don't need an incredibly huge faith. In Matthew 17, he says, for I, for I truly I tell you, if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, 
super small. If you have this faith, super small, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. So it doesn't matter if you have this huge, like crazy faith, but just if you have big enough faith to ask. Do you, will you ask God? But if you do, God say nothing is impossible for you if you ask. And so, the thir- but out of faith, the three, three, three things flow from faith and how they actually work their way out in our life. And the first thing is just boldness. Boldness. Jesus tells many stories in the Bible to help us understand truths. He told one story to help us understand why we need boldness in prayer and how it actually is effective. And he says this. This is a little long, but I'm going to fly through. He says, then Jesus said to them, suppose, this is a, a, a story that he just tells, to help us understand prayer. And he goes, suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread, a friend of mine, on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer to him. So you go to a neighbor and you tell him, "Hey, someone's coming to me on my journey. On a journey at midnight, I got nothing to offer. Will you help me?" And suppose the one inside answers, "Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything." She's like, "I, I don't. I don't think so." But I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship. Yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Jesus says the one thing that you need in prayer is just shameless audacity, just boldness to ask him. That it, it, even if it doesn't matter about anything else, you just have the boldness to ask God. God says you, he will give you surely as much as you need. So we need boldness. But the second thing, we need persistence. He tells another story for the same purpose, to help us understand prayer. And he says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. They should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. Meaning that this guy wasn't a good guy. He didn't get a rip. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. Jesus says, hey, we need boldness, but we just need persistence. Some of those mountains in our life that we want moved might just take persistence to keep asking God, God, would you do this? God, would you do this? I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep being persistent. And God says, hey, God will act on your behalf. So boldness, persistence, and the last one is just patience. Is patience. In in Ephesians or Psalm 5:3, he says this. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you, and I wait expectantly. I lay my request before you, God, and I wait. Waiting is, is patience. I don't know if you're like me. I'm not naturally the, the most patient person in the world. But he says, hey, when we pray, it's actually an amazing opportunity that we get to pray and then watch. We get to pray and then just watch and wait how God is actually going to show up. Not all the time it comes on my timing or it comes on our timing or how we desire it or how we think God's going to answer. But when we pray, we can confidently expect that God is going to come. But it takes patience at times. And so we need all three. Faith flows into our life with boldness, 
with persistence and with patience to continue to trust that God is going to answer. And so that's how we go about praying. But what do we pray for is the last question. What do we pray for? Um, when it comes to prayer, one of the amazing privileges of just talking to God as our Father is that we have so much freedom, almost unlimited freedom in just how we talk to God. It's just pouring our hearts out to God, and you can do that any way you want. Some people like to journal. Some, when they pray, some people like to pray in the shower. Some people like to pray on their knees. Some people pray in the car, pray on their walk to class, uh, at the, at, on their bed at night, whenever and wherever. It doesn't really matter how we go about praying. It's, it's we have freedom in how we can talk to God. But sometimes it does help us to have a form to help guide us in what we should pray for. And so this is just one form I'm presenting to you guys. It's an acronym, and it's PRAY. You probably heard, Some of you guys probably heard other acronyms um, to help us to, to guide our prayers. But this is one that, that I, I, someone told me, and, and I, I really liked it. And so um, the, first, the first letter is P for praise. For praise. Simply put, is that the first thing we, the first thing that we can do, um, or one of the things we get to do in pray, in prayer, is that we just get to praise and thank God for who He is and what He has done. In Psalm 103, it says, "Praise the Lord, my soul; all my inmost being, praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all His benefits." Meaning, forget not everything He's done to me. That we ought to thank God when He, when He does, when He, for the things He's done in our life. He says. The God who, is for, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. When we pray, one thing that is it's a privilege is to praise God for who he is and what he has done. But the second thing is repent, is to repent or to confess our sins to God. Um, when we, when we, the word repent simply just means to change direction. Now, if I'm walking this direction in one area of my life, to repent just means to turn around. It's to go a different way or to change my mind. And now I'm walking this way. And that could be in any area. That could be in our relationship concerning God and who Jesus is, but also that could just be in a certain attitude I have in my heart. And so the Bible says to repent. Um, it said, but he gives us a promise. He says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all, all our unrighteousness. That if someone is in Christ, like I said earlier, God has freed them from the power of sin and the penalty of sin in their life. But, but still, we're not perfect. Once someone comes in a relationship with Jesus, we're still imperfect people. We still make mistakes and we still have sin in our life. And that kind of can create a relational tension with God on our part. It's always on our part. God's perfect on his end, but on our part, I can kind of put a barrier um, in my life to him. And God's, God wants us just to confess our sins freely to him so that so that we can draw near to him again. And he, he promises that he will forgive us and he will be faithful to do that. And so that's R is the third one is ask, is asking God for specific requests. Guys, and in this one, we have so much freedom to ask God. But here's a cool promise. It's in 1 John 5, 13. It says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything, anything, according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. That when we pray, and it's according to his will, 
that we, we've got it. He, he, he will respond and he will grant it. So, so, so something that the Bible kind of recommends that we should ask God for is, is some things that in the world around us. That we, we, should, we could pray for Christ's kingdom to come. That, that, that more people would come to know him and enjoy God. Um, we pray for, for more people who are able to share that message about Jesus. That people could know God. Pray for people you know. People, your friends and your family. And, and those that don't know God to come to know him. We can pray for an opportunity and courage. It takes a lot of courage for someone to actually share their faith. The Bible recommends that we actually ask God for that courage to share our faith, to tell people about Him. And then the last one, I mean, there's so many of these I could go through, is, is Ephesians 6.18. It says, hey, anything with all kinds of prayers and requests that we can pray to Him. And so that's in the world around us. And so that's when, hey, when you see things going on, like the football game last night, is it's super tragic. Maybe in that moment something's happening, get to pray for that. Or pray for a circumstance or a person or a family member or someone someone in the hospital. We can pray for anything in the world around us and ask God to show up there. But also we want to pray and ask God for things in our own life. Pray for strength and temptation. Provision for needs in our life. All of us have needs of some sort. Pray for wisdom. God says that if anyone asks wisdom, he will grant it. Every time, no matter who you are, God gives it. Wisdom or guidance and direction. And God says, I want to I want to lead and direct your life. I will I will show you the way you should go. Um, Ephesians 1, it just says, hey, we should be praying, asking God for growth. Asking God to help us grow. And the last thing, 618, is just praying for all things. So we want to ask God, and the last one we're finishing here in about one minute is just to yield. Is yielding means that we put our trust in God's plan even when it's different than ours. In the garden, the night before Jesus died, um, he, he, he was looking at the cross, and he's looking at what it was going to cost him to actually give his life up on the cross and to bear the wrath of God. And he, he says this. He says, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And so when we, when we yield to God, is that we just get a privilege to say, Hey, God, not as I will, but as you will. And so like when anxiety comes or things that we're having a hard time trusting God in our life or trusting his plan in our life, we get to yield. And it says, don't be anxious, but pray. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That when we're having a hard time trusting God, God says pray to him and ask him to come in there and help us to trust, to yield our, our will, our, our rights. To help, to help him, to help us trust him and what he's got. And so, call God anytime, anywhere. You got God's phone number in this amazing privilege, an amazing power move that you guys have to call on God and ask him to show up in your life. Jeremiah 33 3. And so, with that, we are free to go out. And so, thank you guys.